I'm going to pray again for just a minute before we look at some Scripture together. Father, any of our attempts at laying hold of truth or, or you more fully are uh, empty without your participation. And Lord, it's by your Spirit, it's by your presence that we see light, that we apprehend truth. And we are asking that your Spirit would be with us this morning in a way that we seek Christ more fully. Lord, as I thought about this morning for the previous weeks, my single desire, my single thought is that all of us here this morning would see you, that we would catch a glimpse of you. Lord, things done on our own power, in our own energies come and go, but it's you and your reality, your truth and your spirit that make life real. And we ask that you'd be with us so that as we contemplate Christ and the resurrection this morning, it would be in your presence that we do so, that we love him more dearly because we know him more fully. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, if you speak at special events, <coughs> excuse me, Christmas and Easter being some of those, you sort of, it's a little bit of trepidation because everybody brings sort of an expectation or a desire for that thing to look a certain way, feel a certain way, etc. And I confess, as I was thinking about this morning and speaking, emotionally I was coming up a little flat. And, uh, you know, I was trying to get to the emotional end of things and it just wasn't working. And it was as I started thinking specifically again about Christ and the resurrection that my emotions started paying respect to my thoughts and to the truth and that I started to feel a little bit lifted and encouraged. So I hope for you, if you come in a little flat or if your expectations and emotions are real high, wherever you're coming, that our spirits would be raised together as we think about Christ and the resurrection this morning. We're going to come at this a little backward this morning. Um, <clears throat> we're going to look at the resurrection from the negative, if you will. That is, we want to answer the question, what would life be like if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? Now, we're speculating on this, obviously. We're, we're sort of, these are my ideas. And you guys, you'll probably have your own ideas about what it would look like if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. But, and if you've got a bulletin and a pen, you might write some of those down as you go. Bill, are you okay? Good. <clears throat> but as I thought about this, the text will start with Matthew 27. As I was reading through the gospel accounts of the resurrection, it was Matthew 27 that sort of caught my attention this year. Listen to this. And this is post crucifixion, pre-resurrection. This is the chief priests and the Pharisees going to Pilate. You remember he's the Roman governor. He's kind of the authority at hand. And so they go to him and they say, hey, we remember when he was alive, Jesus, that that deceiver, and they're saying, hey, he's a deceiver because these miracles and all these things he's been saying, we're not sure about him, but we know this. He does a, he's a deceiver. We're not sure what to make of him, but he's a deceiver for sure on the front end. He said while he was alive, after three days, I rise again. So, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come, steal him away, and say to the people, He's risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. So, <clears throat> just to think through this from a different angle, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> we're, going to, we're going to get on the bandwagon of the Pharisees and the high priests. We're going to assume this morning that the resurrection didn't happen. And then we're still going to go from there and speculate what that might have looked like. So 
What if those Pharisees were right? What if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead? What would that look like? And we're going to go through this chronologically. As I said, I've thought of a few things. You'll think of some others, no doubt. First, put yourself in the feet of the apostles or those first disciples. You've hung your hat on this guy from Galilee for three years. He has been all of your life. At least 12 of them, one's dead at this point, Judas having killed himself, 11 left. But also the other disciples that hung out with him regularly, all your hopes are pinned on him. You thought this guy was the Messiah, the one that all of Israel had been waiting for. Back to Abraham's day. This is it. This is him. And then he's crucified, and that's the end of that. You can imagine just emotionally, this would take some getting used to, wouldn't it? I mean, this, well, this would be bigger than presidential elections, you know? This would be like, all my life is hung on that hope, and it's dashed, and it's gone. And if you read Luke 24, you get a little bit of that when two of the disciples are walking home from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and their, their dabbers are down, they're hanging their heads. We thought this was the guy. They say to Jesus, they don't know it's him. But emotionally, we can only guess at the letdown. But think of this too. Emotional letdown. Day follows day. Life goes on. So these guys, they go back to their nets, right? And their boats, some of them. They maybe go back to a tax collector's booth. Some of them probably go back to prostitution and the other forms of life they were living before they met Jesus. But that would be the end of that. Life would just go back as it was. And you and I wouldn't know James and Peter and Andrew because there wouldn't be any story to commemorate them because Jesus didn't rise from the dead. So, you know, Jesus would be one more would-be messianic figure in Jewish literature who rose up, made some great claims, died, and that was the end of that. And, you know, if you think about where that goes also, there would be no church. There'd be no Christianity. And think of the implications for this. By the way, this is huge. The church is Christ on the earth. The church is the body of Christ. So when Jesus interacts in the, in the world or in the earth today, it's through the church, the body of Christ, marred, imperfect as we are. The church is Christ on the earth. So if there's no resurrection, those guys go back to their life as they knew it before Christ. There's no Pentecost. There's no spirit. There's no church. There's no Christianity. It does not exist. Jesus died. That's the end of that. And think about where this goes. There would be no church to sort of turn the Roman world upside down. It would just go on as it had. And also, if there was no church, there would be no conversion of Constantine the Great in the 300s. When Constantine, whether it's in reality or not, embraced Christianity, made Christianity the state religion, and Christianity spread under him through all of Europe. Wouldn't have happened if Christ hadn't raised from the dead. Wouldn't have happened at all. Think of this too. In European history, after the Romans, the Romans are sort of put to death by the Goths and the Visigoths, the Germans. And these were some warring, awesome tribes. And in the 400s and the 500s, they came down from northern Europe and they sacked, raped, and pillaged their way through Europe. And you know what else they did? They burned the libraries. They didn't care about higher education, learning, and academics. They burned the libraries. Do you know if there was no resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, Western culture as we know it would not exist wouldn't exist because our history would have been gone, would have been consumed by those warring tribes. And, you know, if Christianity wasn't true, Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, there'd be no monks. 
because there'd be no monasteries, because there'd be no Christianity, who would have come from Ireland and northern England after the Goths and the Visigoths, and they reseeded Europe with the Western culture traditions and with the Scriptures themselves after they'd been destroyed. Wouldn't have happened if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. Now, can you start thinking about what a world would look like without the effects of Christianity on the world? And the golden rule, for instance? You know, it would still be the thing of might would make right. And the strongest and the biggest and the baddest would rule. That would be life as we would know it. If you think even of things like the Magna Carta wouldn't exist, common laws we know it wouldn't exist, those things are all based on Christian ethics and morals. And none of that would exist if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead. Life as you and I know it would not exist even in a shadowy form apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, period. Wouldn't happen, wouldn't be there. If you think about the religious traditions of the folks that embraced eventually Christianity, you know, the Celts and the Druids and the Viking religions, if you do any reading on them at all, they were bloody, violent, capricious. That would be the kind of worldview that would have informed Western Europe and, Christ- and the world that now is Christian would have been influenced by those kinds of traditions as well. Think of this too. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, science and medicine as we know it today probably would not exist. And I say this for this reason. If you go back in history and you look at the great scientists, physicists, mathematicians of the West at least, you know most of them were Christians. Most of them were Christ's followers, and they believed that they were glorifying God and Jesus Christ in their pursuits of physics, math, and science. So the foundation of science as we enjoy it today was laid by people who followed Christ and sought to glorify Him, honor Him in their pursuits. We wouldn't have the foundation upon which all our modern medicine, science, physics, etc. takes place probably wouldn't exist or wouldn't exist at all in the form we know it and have it today. Think of this too. This is mind-blowing. There would be no United States of America. We sort of take ourselves for granted. Great history. You know, the, the richest country in the history of the world, the most powerful country in the history of the world. We sort of take ourselves for granted. But you know, there would be no United States of America if there was no resurrection of Jesus from the dead, would there? Because there'd be no pilgrims. Because there's no Christianity. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, there is no United States of America. Now, I don't doubt there'd be something here, but it wouldn't be this. It would look nothing like the United States does today. Nothing. The pilgrims came over and they wanted to set up a city on a hill. And you can hear guys equivocate on the founders of the country and say they, a lot of them weren't Christian, etc. But you read the charters of the early colonies, the states, etc. They were all Christian. You had to be a Christian to run for office in most parts of the colonies of the United States of America. Whether you call ourselves a Christian nation or not today, it was Christians that founded the United States of America. The United States would not exist apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And think of the implications for that. When tyrants have risen up in other parts of the world, what country has risen to oppose them at our cost? The United States. So a tyrant rises up in Germany or the East, they just, they win the day. Can you imagine what the world would look like if tyrants with the biggest might, the greatest strength, were just free to run and rule? It it would be ugly. We think life's ugly today sometimes. 
I don't think we can fathom where this world would be apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the salt and the light effect that the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church has today on this world and the way it has formed the history of the world as we know it today, I don't think we can even start to imagine what it would be like apart from that influence that all goes back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Another interesting thought. I don't think I overstate any of these things, but you guys might come to some different conclusions. I don't think you or I would be here today. I mean, very literally, I don't mean figuratively. I don't think we, this people in this room today, would be here apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I say this for this reason. This is a fickle and capricious world we live in. And you know, when people talk about uh, random theory and the butterfly effect, can a butterfly flapping its wings off the coast of Brazil cause a hurricane someplace else? I don't know. You know, it sounds ridiculous, but the truth is in this world we live in, One thing leads to another. And one way leads to another way. And a choice taken once changes everything. Everything. So if the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead didn't occur, you know what? I doubt very highly that the circumstances and the choices and all the things that combine to make your parents meet each other and marry each other, they wouldn't have happened. Or for their parents before them or for their parents before them. You see where this goes. I would argue that literally, you and I, our presence in the world today is the fruit of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. No less than that. Your existence is the fruit of Jesus Christ from the dead. Whether you're a Christian or not, your existence on the earth today is the fruit of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Now, if we describe the world as dark, and full of murder or mayhem or trouble or difficulty. We think about that, sort of the world as it is today. And, and I say the world as it is today is the fruit of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You might say, that's not necessarily a good thing. And you'd have to concede, yes, the world is not as it should be and not as we would like it. Uh, greed, violence, murder, hatred. I mean, just read the news. You, you know, this is where we live. But guys, I think the degree that this would be the truth on the world, the experience of everyone every day, again, is hard to imagine. If you read the Genesis account and just figure round numbers, we're not talking old earth or new earth here, just from the the Adam and Eve story to Noah in Genesis 6 is just, say, a couple thousand years, okay? Just a couple thousand years. And when God describes life on the earth in a couple thousand years, He says it was filled with murder and violence, so much so that he cut it off. Why? To destroy the fall of mankind into evil, murder, and violence. And he starts over. So can you imagine if the resurrection hadn't occurred? You've got that much time, at least, since. Where would we be today apart from the resurrection of Jesus, apart from the impact of Christians on the world and influence on the world today? Or think of this too. If you experience a natural disaster, say on the order that Haiti did recently, something we're, we're aware of in this group, just think of this for a second. Christianity is not the only religion on the earth that, that practices benevolent giving. But guys, no other group on the earth leads or excels in giving 
Benevolent giving. Giving for the sake of blessing someone else with nothing in return, like Christians, like Christ followers. So you get earthquakes, you get natural disasters. You know what? Those poor people, they're going to have to take care of it themselves because you don't have a Christ-informed culture that says other people are as important as we are. And following Christ's example, we're going to go serve them. It wouldn't happen. If you had your earthquake, your tornado, whatever, good luck. Be warm and be filled without Christ and the resurrection from the dead. I think apart from the resurrection, you know, the flood was God cutting off evil to stop it. I think apart from the resurrection of the dead, Jesus from the dead, that this world would already have been incinerated by God. Because God says that's the future of this world. It's incineration. Second Peter talks about this. He's going to consume it in fire. And I think as far as cutting off evil apart from the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the influence and impact that's had on this life on this earth, I think he would have already cut us off. It'd already be over. This earth would be toast in history if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Think about this too. If you're a Christian today, and I assume most of us are, but if you're a Christian today, what a dull, what a simplistic group of people you are if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead. And you get this theme and, and this kind of thinking from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul writes the Corinthians a letter. And there's some in their midst and they say, guys, listen, when you're dead, you're dead. People don't rise from the dead. And so Paul's addressing this and he brings in Christ's resurrection in with it. So he says this, if there's no resurrection, then Christ hasn't been raised either. That's the logic. You think the dead don't rise? Well, then Christ didn't rise. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is vain also. It's worthless. It amounts to nothing. Zero. Also, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we said God raised Christ, whom He didn't raise if the dead aren't raised. We're liars, Paul says, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead didn't occur. If the dead aren't raised, Christ isn't raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. There's no hope there, guys. Those also have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. This is a great passage. If you're a skeptic, if you're thinking about being a Christian or not a Christian, this is a great passage to hang out in. Because if Christianity isn't true, guys... Follow Paul's advice. You know, we, we don't do certain things because we believe God's constrained us. said, don't do those things. And there's a reward for us for not doing some things. But Paul says, man, pity me. If I've constrained my life by God's command in light of the resurrection, if there is no resurrection, you're dupes. You're missing out on the good things life has to offer. And when you're dead, you're dead. And so, guys, think of us this morning. If the resurrection didn't happen, when you die, that's it. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. When you bury your relatives and your loved ones, there's no hope for them. Because they're just gone. They're like the animals, the pets that we love. We bury them and that's it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's all. If, Paul says, the resurrection didn't occur. I tell people, I'm serious about this. If you don't believe in Christianity and Christ and the resurrection, it's better to go have a good time. Go have a good time. That's sort of Paul's argument here because that's not what's coming. 
But if the resurrection is real, then everything you do in life has purpose and meaning. And when you lay yourself down in death, or someone lays their, their beloved in death, their friend in death, it's with hope. But that hope is all based on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If it didn't happen, it doesn't exist for us at all. This world would be a morally dark, dark, shadowy place apart from the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And you and I would be without God, without hope, without a future were it not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's a well-known composition. It's called One Solitary Life. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I am going to read the conclusion to make a point. It was written by Dr. James Allen Francis in 1926. If you search this, you'll find it. It's all over. You've probably heard it too. Um, His original was sort of a short version. It's been expanded. What you and I read today is normally the expanded version. But this was the conclusion of his thought of the life of Christ and the impact Christ's life, death, and resurrection had on the earth. He said this, Nineteen long centuries have come and gone, and today he, Jesus Christ, is a centerpiece of the human race and leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. Now, I think that's true. And I think that's a lovely sentiment as well. My gripe with this is it doesn't go nearly far enough. It doesn't go nearly far enough. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we wouldn't be here. And life on this planet would not exist as we know it. I doubt if at this point in time, life would exist on this planet or that there would be a planet. It'd all be toast. It'd all be ash apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And when you listen, politicians do this. You know, around holidays, religious holidays, they give a nod to Christianity. But you know, the world basically tries to marginalize Christ and marginalize the resurrection and say basically, Jesus is one more nice religious story. And if you're a nice religious person, it works for you, that's great. He's one more option, like many other options. Don't believe it. Literally, apart from the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we don't know life as it is. It does not exist. The breath we breathe, our existence on the earth, is the fruit of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Nothing short of that. And life on the earth as we know it, or probably can even imagine it, could not exist apart from Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He isn't a significant guru. He's the only person in the history of the world that trod this dusty soil laid his own life down in death, and picked it up again so that he could offer you and I the forgiveness of our sins, no small thing, and eternal life. No one else can make that claim. And no other religion, by the way, makes that claim. No other faith group on the earth claims that their leader rose from the dead. None. Jesus is the only one who says in him there's the forgiveness of sins, And there's eternal life, period. All in Him, all based on the fruit of the resurrection. This Easter, today, Resurrection Sunday, I hope that we just get a little clearer grasp 
of the importance of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And that apart from that, we can't know life. You and I don't know life eternally. We don't have a hope for the future. We probably don't exist, and the earth may not exist. That's all dependent on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. All of life as we know it, dependent on Jesus from the dead. All our hopes for the future, dependent on Jesus' resurrection from the dead. If you are not 100% certain, if you died today, this moment, you'd be with Jesus in heaven, think about this. You know, the problem with Christianity, it's not information. People don't not become Christians for lack of adequate information, verification, facts, history. That's not the deal. It's our will. To become a Christian, I have to say, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm not what I should be. I fall short of what God made me to be. And I'm not big enough to live my own life. I need to submit my life to someone else. And that requires an act of our will. That's the deal. That's the rub. If you're not 100% certain, if you died right now, you go to heaven. Let me just encourage you, cajole you, threaten you, whatever. Accept Christ's offer of forgiveness and eternal life. What better day, I couldn't think of any better time, than Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, to become a Christian, to say, yes, Lord Jesus, I entrust myself to you. Yes, I accept your payment for my sins. Yes, I happily accept the hope of eternal life with you forever. What better day to do that than Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday? We're going to have the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. And if you trust Christ this morning, make this your first public act of declaration by remembering Jesus in his death and his resurrection at the Lord's Supper. You know, the night, that last night Jesus had with his disciples, he was remembering with them a lamb slain and blood shed and a meal consumed the night God saved Israel from death and slavery in Egypt. And he took that meal, that memorial meal, and he transformed it. And he said, now when you do this in the future, don't think of that lamb slain back in Egypt. Think of the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. And when you eat that bread, that's not the bread of Egypt, the unleavened bread of Egypt. That's my body broken for you. And that cup, that's not just the cup of blessing. That's the cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood for you, for the remission of your sins. So that he took that that memorial meal that remembered the exodus from Egypt, and he said, it's now a memorial to the exodus from sin and death and slavery. And he's the lamb, and he's the bread, and it's his blood. So that when we remember the Lord, as we do this morning in the Lord's Supper, we're remembering what he did for us, let us out of Egypt, let us out of slavery and death, gave us hope and a future and life. And he also says, do this until he comes. It's a reminder to us that just as God fulfilled the promise to send a Messiah to earth, as he did in Jesus' first presence, his incarnation, Jesus is going to come again. There's a lot of promises, guys, that have not been fulfilled. And Jesus promised his own that last night. He said, you're going to see me again. And where I am, that's where you'll be. I'm going to come again. I'll receive you to myself. You'll always be with me. We do both. We remember the past. We look forward to the promise of the future in the Lord's Supper. Also, if you've been a Christian for a while, if this is not your first rodeo and you've done this before, just pause to think again of the implications of Jesus' resurrection for you. This is something that's easy to take for granted. We only do the Lord's Supper once a month, but it can easily become a ritual 
And we forget what we're doing. We're not just going through the motions. We're thinking about what Christ accomplished for us. We're looking forward to the promise of His return. Pray with me, and then as we do, come up, if you would, in two, two lines on both sides here. Take the bread and the juice back to your seat. You can take the bread anytime you're ready. If you would, hold the cup, and we'll drink that together at the end, okay? Lord, your death <clears throat> was an awesome, brutal, bloody reality. Those apostles, Lord, and those first followers of yours had no doubt about your death, the reality that Jesus of Nazareth, who had been alive, was now dead and laid in a grave. And yet, Lord, a miracle of miracles, wonder of wonders, you didn't stay dead. They didn't even anticipate your resurrection. Yet you rose from the dead to fulfill your own good promises by your own power. Lord, in order to offer us the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. And Lord, as we take these elements this morning, help us to see ourselves seated with you around that table, eating the bread, drinking the cup, recalling the fact that it's by your blood we're set free from sin and slavery. By your body being broken, Lord, that we escape. Lord Jesus, thanks that we have life, that this earth and those on it have hope, all because you both died and rose again from the dead. We praise your name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.